Good morning, Holy Trinity family. Will you please pray with me? Divine creator, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, in Jesus' name. So for those of us who have been on the Lenten journey of study, you know, we've been studying about God's covenant with God's people. We started in Genesis and we learned about the covenant with Noah and then Abraham and Sarah. From there, we've traveled to Exodus and learned about God's covenant with Moses. And last week, we learned more about the covenant from Second Chronicles. Today, we heard from the prophet, priest, and poet, Jeremiah, about a new covenant that God is establishing with God's people. One thing that remains through all of these covenants is God's faithfulness to God's people, especially when they're not faithful to God. It's important to set the stage of when and where we find ourselves in the life of God's chosen people as we think about this text. They were different from us in many ways, culture, historical time, and yet they were similar to us. Old Testament scholar Kathleen O'Connor helps us set the stage. She writes, the book of Jeremiah is about catastrophe and survival, destruction and rebuilding, grief and joy. It creates a poignant symphony of tragedy and hope. She explains that this prophecy takes place in tragic and troubled, troubled times from outside and inside the nation state of Israel. And it leads to exile, being banished from their comfort, their regular routines and all they knew. She writes, they suffered from failed and conflicting claims of leadership. Prophets were deceiving the people with words of peace when there was no peace. And one of their kings built a grand palace and ignores the cause of the needy and the poor. Sounds to me like our current times, if you ask me. Some of us feel like this last year was, in many ways, like an exile. And some of us feel like the idea of going back to normal is gonna feel like an even bigger exile. Still yet, most of us can at least relate to some time in our life, a season in one or more of our community's life where there was angst and turmoil. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, we have also learned about his personal suffering. From being beaten, imprisoned, death threats, he even had an attempt of murder on his life. And eventually against his wishes, he flees his homeland with his community and becomes a refugee in Egypt. We learn of his internal struggles in this book. He writes of anguish, loneliness, and doubt. He also expresses anger at God. He accuses God of treachery and deceit. Perhaps our prophet's a little bit more human than we often think about prophets in the Bible. He seems to respond with some typical human emotions. So if you cannot relate to collective tragedy, though I'm quite certain most of us experience some level of collective trauma or tragedy in 2020, we can relate to our author, as I'm pretty sure we've all suffered some kind of suffering or trauma at some point in our life. Or maybe at least just a moment of questioning God. 
So what we know about prophets is the difficult task that they have is often to point out to the people where they've gone off course from God's ways. Sin is another word for the misalignment of our hearts and our actions. So Jeremiah's prophecies in this book point out the hardening of the heart of the people of God. And I find comfort in this book because it covers such a wide range of emotions, including deep, deep grief and lament. Even God weeps two times in this book in two different poems. This shows us that God connects with us and enters into our grief when we suffer, even if we are responsible for the suffering, maybe even especially. I like to think of parents, grandparents, or maybe those of us who don't have children but love children. And I don't know about you, but there's almost nothing more painful for me than to watch a child that I love be in pain from the choices they made motivated by a hardened heart. It doesn't make me love them less. It doesn't make me think they're bad. It makes me grieve. And I think that that is God's parental heart towards us. And yet, like the prophet and some of us may be feeling even today, somehow in the midst of all of this, there is hope. So I'm gonna read just a few pieces from our text again to us. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall all know me from the least to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. I hope you all noticed how many times it's I, it's about God, right? So what we've been reminded of, and some of us maybe have learned for the first time this Lenten journey, is God's covenant is most easily defined as God's desire to be in relationship with us. It is central, central concept of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And we know that Israel represents the people of God for the sake of the world. So Jeremiah speaks to us about the people of God having hardened hearts towards God and God's ways that lead to abundant life. So let's take a moment and just think, are there any areas in your life that you can relate to having a hardened heart towards love, mercy, justice, self-control, patience, or maybe just your concept of God? I know I can. And I would ask that you think for a moment, just over your last year, perhaps the pandemic made a part of your heart hard towards those people who didn't think like you about how to address the pandemic. Perhaps it was a social or a political issue. Perhaps having to homeschool your children or your grandchildren when you never wanted to hardened a little part of your heart. Maybe it was losing your job. Or maybe it was getting all the extra work from the people who were getting laid off because you got to keep your job. Maybe your heart became hardened 
when another friend or family member completed suicide or died of a long suffered illness. Whatever the triggers are for the hardness, I want to assure you, you are still loved. Please hear me again, you are still loved. Having a hard heart towards God, your neighbor, your enemy, or yourself does not make you bad. And by enemy, I'll let you define that. For most of us, it's someone who doesn't think, act, or believe like we do. So again, this doesn't make you bad. It makes you human, even the people of God. That is the beauty of what our Bible stories tell us. The human condition occurred before us, and it will continue until the renewed heavens and earth. The other beauty of our text is that is this constant reminder that God is always faithful to us. Please hear me again. God is always faithful to us. This is the one of the biggest areas where God is not actually like us. And yet God has compassion and mercy as our scriptures remind us today. So if we take a look at more of the book of Jeremiah, it's good to think about how Jeremiah speaks of God. Why do we do this? Why do we look at God's names? Because they help remind us of God's character throughout history. So again, I'll go back to Kathleen O'Connor's words. She says, Jeremiah's favorite titles come from the social realities of the ancient world, and they include father, judge, king, and most often Yahweh of armies. This is often translated Lord of hosts. When Jeremiah uses these titles, they portray God's authority, God's justice, and power. God also weeps, laments, and cries out over the fate of the people. God is healer who restores health to the people. God is a potter who shapes, destroys, and reforms the people. And my personal favorite is God as parent, who's connected to their child with the ties of love. It is with these things in mind and our own personal and communal experience with God's faithfulness in our midst that we can think about the promise of this new covenant. What is totally rad, and yes, I said totally rad, is this new covenant is not based on us or what we can do. It is totally dependent on God's love. We can learn much about this new covenant in other parts of scriptures, such as 1 Corinthians 11.25. We learned that the new covenant was made fully realized in Jesus. It states, in the same way also, he, Jesus, took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We are reminded by this little text that Eucharist connects us to the ancient and always present covenant with God. Jesus literally tells us about it, and we have the blessed joy of being reminded of it each time we share Eucharist. For those who are interested in learning more about this new covenant, 
I recommend reading the book of Hebrews because the Jewish writer uses a Jewish reasoning to share how something that came first was good, but the second is even better. So it doesn't take away the good of the first, it enhances and makes more fully beautiful the new covenant. And it allows us to see that God established the second and final covenant of faithfulness through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so we've got two points today that we can connect to our scriptures. One is life can be difficult and we have areas in our life where our hearts may be hardened towards God, neighbor, enemy, or self. And we have hope in a new covenant with God in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for our lives. So let's look at the text one more time. Just a couple pieces of it. For this is the covenant. I will put the law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. One of my favorite bands is a band called Get Dead. They have a line in an inappropriate song that I don't recommend any of you listen to, but this line goes, my broken heart is covered in tattoos. And I immediately thought of this song while combing through the scriptures because it's this idea that God is writing God's laws on our hearts and therefore abundant life. Our broken hearts, our hardened hearts, our hearts that have been harmed, our hearts that have been healed, our hearts that have been loved. God's outline for abundant life can be tattooed, so to speak, on our hearts. That is a gift. And then of course we know the most gracious gift is forgiveness, reconciliation, and the recreation of our daily everyday lives, both individually and communally, with each other, our communities, and the natural world. That to me is very, very rad. One of the lovely things about a Psalms, I thought we were going to be reading today, no worries that we didn't, but I guess I have a few pieces of it. Um, but it's a Psalm that was written by David, and it was literally written um, after he had essentially raped another man's wife. But what he does is he cries out to God because he knows he can always turn to God, even at his worst. And so some of the pieces, this is from Psalm 51, some of the pieces, I'm not reading you all of it, but some of the pieces today, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. He asked, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then he ends it by saying, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, and a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. 
So of course, this can help us personally and even communally as the Holy Trinity family. But it also reminds us of all the others outside of our circle, which hints at other scripture that invites us all to look to those people that we think might want to come into God's love and desire for relationship. Hear it again, beloved community, from our Jeremiah text. They shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. What is so specific is that everyone gets in on this new covenant. How lovely that is. We get to participate in this beautiful gift of the world. And the only way we can be a healing presence in this world to those not yet aware of God's love is to allow God to heal the hardened hearts of parts of our heart. So if Thomas could help me, he's going to put up uh, three images of hearts. We're trying this out. It may or may not work. No big deal if you can't see it. The idea is for you just to take a minute, take a look at some art, take a look out the window, take a look in your living room or wherever you may be listening in. And think about, is there a place within your heart where you need God's forgiveness and healing for just one area that you may be hardened? Please be reminded, God is gracious and forgiving, slow to anger and rich in love. May you experience freedom and forgiveness today by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of, the, of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.